Welcome to the Counselor Podcast Power 50 series, where we speak to some of the most influential executives in the promo products market. The in-depth conversations are sure to be revealing and informative. This week on the Counselor Podcast Power 50 series, we welcome in Joanne Lance from Geiger, a perennial member of the Power 50 list. Joanne, how are you today? I'm terrific, Andy. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, how is your early fall going? The early fall is as beautiful as the weather in the Northeast. It's been uh, uh, terrific both professionally and personally. Gotcha. No snow up in Maine yet? Uh, well, actually, they talked about a possible dusting this <laughs> weekend up in the mountains, and uh, right on schedule because the first dusting normally hits in October. Wow. Okay. Well, pull, pull out the snow plows. We're ready to go. All right, let's uh, let's jump into it. Um, uh, we're talking to people on this series about their outlooks for their promotional products market and how they uh, view the industry and where it's headed. So, what is your outlook for the industry over the next year or so? Oh, it's uh, very bullish. I think the uh, uh, what I've seen in the last six months will continue for the next year. That with um, uh, corporations, large corporations, continuing to invest in the power of promotional products and specialty advertising. I uh, see uh, uh, companies spending more time uh, trying to outline and develop their relationships with distribution companies. It's a, it's a really bright uh, year coming up. Now, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think that, um, like you said, big companies are uh, uh, sort of ramping up their investments in promotional products? What's leading to that? I think it's return on investment. Mm -hmm. It's becoming clearer and clearer that they're getting a terrific return on their dollar as compared to some of the other media that they're investing. And it's not an either-or situation. It's a balance in terms of how do they balance their advertising portfolio or their recognition and incentive portfolio. And uh, it, uh, the final results are favorable uh, for uh, our industry. Is the, is the industry or, uh, or distributors and suppliers individually doing a, a better job or a good enough job at, at proving that ROI to, to companies today? Well, I think that it tends to be more distributors to the major corporations because yep. they're the ones that have the uh, interaction and the quality of the individuals, I believe, continues to improve. Certainly when we're uh, competing against them, it appears that way. And by the questions that the clients have, uh, they're so much more knowledgeable. They're challenging us into providing that information to them. Mm -hmm. Well, let's switch, switch gears a little bit. One of the realities of uh, business today is that companies are operating online more um, and certainly trying to interact with customers in, in an electronic way. Uh, our State of the Industry report estimates that about 16% of overall distributor sales are generated through e-commerce. So how do you see that number changing in the coming years? I only see it uh, increasing. Uh, it's really about channel preference for individuals who are placing their orders mm -hmm. or communicating. They are more and more uh, prefer to use an electronic or digital channel to communicate, and I don't see any shift uh, away from that trend. In fact, do, if anything, it will accelerate. Do you think that um, that uh, 
uh, traditional distributors have to uh, have to change their business to uh, to kind of appeal to that new buyer, new digital enhanced buyer, or are they able to to still uh, interact with them in the traditional ways? Well, it depends on what you mean by traditional ways. Um, again, I think it's channel preference. Mm-hmm. So uh, a traditional distributor certainly can uh, meet that channel preference if a buyer wants to communicate either through online, uh, through live chat, uh, through text, uh, through some of those digital mediums. And a traditional firm thoughtfully can adjust to that. It does take investment. Uh, because you have to change your technologies as well as train your uh, associates and colleagues. Mm-hmm. But with a little thoughtful consideration investment, they, uh, they should be able to uh, um, meet that preference. Right. How important do you think that uh, the sort of training aspect is of that, the, you know, the kind of understanding on, uh, on distributors and salespeople's part that, uh, you know, each of their clients is different. And they, they like you said, they, they might each have a different uh, preference for how they want to interact with you, and you have to uh, be able to appeal to that. Well, it's critical. Andy, what I've noticed is perhaps someone may be terrific in a face-to-face presentation. Other individuals might have great skill sets in uh, the written communication, but then when you get into a live chat situation, it's a totally different skill set, mm-hmm. and one has to understand how to be succinct and to uh, adjust your communications to the method that individuals want to uh, connect with us. Sure, absolutely. Well, e-commerce is uh, and technology is certainly one challenge I think that, that companies face today. What do you think are some of the other uh, big challenges that companies in the promotional products market uh, face right now? Well, I think that the one of the biggest cha- changes is that has been taking place actually for the last three years, three to five years, and that's going to continue, is some of the more, and I hate to use the word traditional, but some of the other methods of uh, calling on firms or meeting with firms are are, are shifting. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, individuals have less time. Um, they have less time in terms of production time to produce their orders. They have less time for face-to-face meetings. They want um, they want things to be crisp. They want the uh, presentations to be crisp. They want delivery almost instantaneously. The Amazon type. Uh, expectation of distribution continues to accelerate and we have to find ways to uh, to support that uh, what has to be done to to ensure that that happens you know I you know I just took, uh, took a note down and wrote that there's less time for the whole supply chain so it's really from you know beginning to end of the whole sales process uh, what do what do companies in this industry need to do to make sure that they can kind of quicken the pace of everything well, first of all, it, it falls uh, heavily on a supplier or production partner's uh, shoulders to quicken the pace in terms of how, uh, what their internal production cycles are and where are their delivery or distribution points. But it also falls on the distributor as well to assure that we give those production partners clean, clear information uh, so that they can make quick 
uh, turnarounds if they, we send them in an order and we don't happen to have the right information or our numbers don't add up or we are saying one color imprint, red and blue, uh, that slows the uh, cycle down. Mm -hmm. And it may sound like a simple thing, but it, it happens so often. At least that's what I hear from production partners. And I see even in my own firm that this small attention to detail really can impact uh, turnaround. Right. The, other thing, the other thing, though, is more and more our, our domestic partners are importing, especially when you get into uh, what I would consider a mid-size order. So they have to work on their supply chain as well in terms of their connections with whatever sources of supply, most often Asia, to accelerate that cycle. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of a it seems like a, a multi-tiered process, but it's almost like everybody needs to do their uh, their part. Exactly. Yep. Uh, well, it kind of brings me to my next question. Um, you know, it gives us a little bit of an indication about where the industry is going and how it might change in the next couple of years. But how do you think the industry will be different uh, ten years from now? Hmm. Ten years from now. Well. I think before I look forward, I have to look in the rearview mirror a bit and look at what were the changes in the past 10 years. Um, we had a, a no one expected a major recession. Uh, no one expected to see the acceleration or the shift of new players in the power 50 uh, and in your top 40. Mm -hmm. And so, if I think of that, I. I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see even more rapid shift. Uh, there will be players that we don't even expect in the top 40, uh, probably even in the next three years, never mind 10 years, as well as other companies that will be that are powerhouses now that potentially could drop out uh, because they're not necessarily making the correct adaptations to the change. Mm -hmm. I think also we're going to continue to see um, uh players from outside North America open up storefronts in the U.S., and they will then start uh, gaining position in the market, mm -hmm. and that will create a shift for some of our production partner suppliers. Uh, that's going to uh, have an impact for them. Um, also, in the next 10 years, there's going to be some new technology that we don't even expect that's going to make another shift and change, uh, much like the iPad did uh, in the last 10 years. There'll be something new, something totally unexpected that will create another shift for us. Gotcha. Huh. It'll be uh, it will be interesting to see. We, as you said, we already, you know, uh, saw if we if you look back five to ten years, you couldn't have foreseen some of the companies that are prominent today. So uh, I would imagine that that you're correct. That will just continue. There'll be some new players that we have we just haven't a clue that are just going to pop up, and um, we have to be uh, um, not only prepared for that, but um, go about doing what's best for our businesses even as that happens. Right, for sure. Uh, well, as far as a kind of looking forward type question, uh, do you think that industry companies uh, need to do a better job or make a more concerted effort to uh, to bring more young people into the industry? I know sometimes that's that's a challenge as, you know, they, the uh, newest generation obviously doesn't have a book of business and they don't have the experience in this market. What do you think uh, companies need to do to, to kind of get the, the, the 
new and youngest personnel into the market? You know, I've been asked that question, uh, Andy, several times, and I think that they are in the market. We just don't necessarily see them. Mm -hmm. We base our, our opinions on trade show traffic. And if you go to a trade show, one just makes the assumption that the industry is made up of the typical trade show attendee walking the show floor. And since you're asking me if we need to attract younger people, that lets me know that your assumption is that we have older people Mm -hmm. uh, that's walking the trade show floor. But if the business is shifting to the e-commerce channel as much as 16% in the last year, and I think it's going to continue to accelerate as well as others do, then who is actually supporting that e-commerce channel? Well, I don't know what your e-commerce department looks like, but I know what our e-commerce department looks like. Right. And their, their typical person in our e-commerce department is under 30 years old. In fact, most of them are under 25. And they are as significant player in this industry as the trade show attendee. They just don't happen to be walking the trade show in the traditional manner. Mm -hmm. And so I think that young people are in the industry, and they're continuing to accelerate in their numbers. They're just not visible in the same general um, areas that uh, maybe you and I are. Right, sure. Uh, do, do you think that uh, that kind of having the the younger set on board, like you're talking about, um, can help distributors appeal to today's buyers e- uh, even better and even closer? Well, they're certainly the ones that are helping accommodate uh, the e-commerce channel preference. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part is they're also uh, they're supporting the individuals, at least for the large corporations, who still need somehow that face-to-face interaction. It's just a different type of interaction. So they support these individuals, and they're learning more about the business, and as time goes on, they will be the primary individuals to interact with the clients on a large-scale basis. Right, for sure. Well, it's something They're there. They are there. We just don't see them. And I think that there are more of them uh, there than than ever before, and it will continue in that manner. Very good. All right. Good to hear. Well, I've asked you a whole bunch of, um, I guess, what I'll call serious questions. So how about we end with some uh, some fun ones? What do you say? Sure. I'd love to have fun. Okay. Who's the business leader that you uh, respect the most? Hmm. Well, I think, can I have uh, uh, three, can I put three people and so and give it uh, with the three individuals? Sure. I think the first, of course, is Gene Geiger. He's my colleague. He is visionary in the industry. Uh, he surprises me all the time with what he sees, and he's normally right in terms of the shifts and the trends in the industry. Mm-hmm. Second is Marty Lott. Um, I just love how he runs his business uh, at Sanmar. He uh, has such a great grasp of everything that's going on, and he's so curious that um, he uh, all is always asking questions. And the third is Sharon Willowshell of uh, Trimark and PCNA. She is one of the hardest working individuals, very, very talented, and I think I'd have to put all three of them together in my soup to say who would I admire the most. <laughs> very good. Well, that, those are, uh, those are, are uh, good leaders for sure. Uh, all right, next question. Where did you go on your most recent vacation? 
Uh, well, my actual vacation vacation, I was back in the Rocky Mountains uh, snowboarding in Utah, which is I can't wait for the snow to fall so that way I can head back out there again next year. Very cool. Not so far away, right? Mm. All right. What one tech item can you simply not do without? I would say my iWatch. In fact, uh, I forgot my iWatch one weekend when I went away on a trip, and I really, really uh, learned how dependent I am upon it. Uh, since I've had my iWatch, I can leave my iPhone in my backpack or bag, and I don't have to be digging out my iPhone. I get all the information I need and more, and um, I can't imagine how, I'm, how I would not wear an iWatch or some sort of a device on my wrist to to help me uh, as I go through my day. Well, I hadn't I hadn't yet heard of somebody being as big a proponent of the Apple Watch. So I that's am a hu I'm a huge fan, and when I get a chance to see you in person, Andy, I'll show you why I think it's so cool. Very cool. I look forward to seeing that. All right. Lastly, our uh, our last question: What's your favorite promotional product? My favorite promotional product is an Adidas-branded sweatshirt that I received when I ran the Boston Marathon mm -hmm. because it's both the most comfortable shirt I ha sweatshirt I have. It reminds me of a wonderful achievement, and it uh, uh, I can't wait to get when I get home and I put it on. So uh, absolutely a sweatshirt. See that? Look at the good feelings that promotional products give to people. And not only good feelings, but it's a, a reminder of, of uh, something that took place in the past, and it's darn comfortable. It really is comfortable. There you go. All right, Joanne, well, thanks so much for calling in today, and thanks for being a guest on our Power 50 podcast. This has been the latest installment of the Counselor Podcast Power 50 series. To listen to more podcasts, go to asicentral.com slash podcasts.